thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your hosts, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Right, my man. We are we are rolling on my end. Awesome, man. Good to see you, dude. I'm excited for today's episode to get back into um, into these topics of that we're going to be covering through the month of May, but more specifically with Taurus. And one of the things I want to just say right off the bat is we're going to be going back to if you haven't uh, listened too much about what we've been doing to break down um, these these uh, astrological significances that we'll be talking about throughout, like I said, the months that are unfolding, we're going down this awesome path with the story of Hercules and the labors. And so I think there's been a few times where I've mentioned, you know, this is like sort of a guiding point that we're using, but more so just a a way to kind of keep us, you know, uh, looking at it from this exoteric and esoteric comparison perspective where you can kind of hear the story and understand the story, but also the examples that are brought up are really meant, at least for me and my perspective, to guide you through these uh, astrological understandings that are so complicated. And we were talking about that, Daniel and I, uh, right before we had recorded. It's like, hey, let's let's start from this story with the second labor and the story of Hercules, you know, told by Alice Bailey here, to kind of start that that jump off point because. We will be talking about Taurus, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but it will get deep. And the story does have a lot of um, meaning, but also it's very well detailed in the second labor. And so we took some time to really study again and again uh, what we would be talking about today, but we'll start right with the with the second labor. So again, we did the first labor a couple of weeks ago, right? And uh, uh, actually probably a little further than that. And And now here we are, man. Absolutely. And you know what? I missed it. You said hello and I didn't even, I didn't even respond. So I wanted well, that's to. A, I don't know if you could hear me there. Um, I have my headphones in, so that's my bad. I didn't know if I didn't hear you. Yeah, no, man. No, we are doing it from distance, which is always a little bit different. Um, but it is, it's so great to see you. And I am, I'm excited to jump into the second sign of the Zodiac. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it, man. Let's start with that second labor. You know, they said the second sign of of the Zodiac. Absolutely, man. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to kind of jump into this, to the second labor of Hercules today. And, you know, this is going to be kind of a precursor to a continual conversation that we'll have for the rest of this month and even moving on to the next month with the sign of Taurus. And this is a very fascinating labor. This is a very fascinating sign and also um, an astrological house that that really kind of has a magnitude of significance for each and every one of us. And again, as we approach this study and these conversations on these astrological signs, we are not talking about individuals with their sons in Taurus. All of us have Taurus in our zodiac chart, right? 
all of us are going to have a second house in our zodiac. And all of us are going to also have Venus in our zodiac, which is the planet that rules Taurus. And so this is something that is going to have a connection to each and every one of us. And this this sign in particular has a very special connection to each and every one of us, because this is a sign that pertains to form. And we are in a construct of form. It's the experience that we're going through for our soul to learn the necessary lessons for you know, advancement, understanding, love, and ultimately illumination, which is really what this, the main focus of this sign is actually kind of creating and what it's actually kind of trying to pull our attention to. And so this will be a very, very interesting conversation because, you know, a lot of people do not understand the esoteric significance of Taurus. I would say the earth signs are one of the most misunderstood in the study of astrology. A lot of people, you know, they, they hear about the water signs and intuition and how cool Scorpio is and Scorpio is cool, you know, and all like even Sagittarius and the fire signs. And even as I'm doing astrological readings, a lot of times people are almost not upset about maybe finding out that their rising sign is Taurus or Capricorn, but it's just because they don't truly understand the deep significance that actually comes from these signs. And I I would say they're some of the most esoterically hidden signs of their true significance. And that's what we're kind of approaching here, you know, and that's what we were kind of discussing even before the the podcast started is really the difference between exoteric astrology and esoteric astrology. Do you know what I mean? Totally. 100%. And uh, yeah, and again, this, this story, um, you know, we've read it. I don't know how many times you've read the story over and over, but it's it's been kind of a treat for me because uh, we took a couple of pauses away from it and I came back to it. And I always like to go on these walks after I do a lot of reading to just sort of, you know, reassess and what's going on. And so I have so many questions for you throughout the, um, throughout our discussions that will be held about Taurus. Because again, with this labor, the detail that goes into it, but also how it's executed all has its own purpose. And it, it kind of leaves for a lot of, um, uh, I guess, a more co- a complex need to understand where this is all coming from. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and again, one of the things when we're studying the esoteric is we always have to kind of look at the spaces, look at the shadow, look what's in between the lines. Mm. And one of the things we get from this ancient text of the story of Hercules just actually kind of alludes a deep understanding of what this sign is actually pertaining to. Because like how you just said, this this second labor, which we're talking about, the first labor being in Aries, the second labor that we're talking about with Hercules is one of the labors that's told in the most detail. But that's not by accident. That's not that's not just by occurrence. It's told in the most detail because this is the sign that we know the most detail in, because this is the sign of form. This is the sign of creation. Um, so it's actually the physical experience that we're going through. And so we experience this with all five senses. You know, we we taste food, we hear music, we feel, you know, all of them. All of them are going to be kind of brought up into this. And so that's why this story is actually told in more detail. And it actually goes into more kind of explanations of even the environment. It's not this flash in the pan story, which Aries was. But what kind of energy is Aries? 
it's flash in the pan. It's that like birth of consciousness. It's that breaking through where this is a slower story, a longer story, because this is actually the slowest sign of the Zodiac. This is fixed earth. And so it's going to be really the slowest moving energy. And that's going to, again, through exoteric astrology, they're going to really kind of say like, oh, Tauruses can be kind of lazy and slow moving. And this could be a characteristic. If we have a really strong like Taurus placement, we might be hard for us to kind of get moving with things. But that's not what this sign is actually alluding to when it says slow. It's talking about that that idea we have of if Aries is this birthing of consciousness and this breaking through um, in this initial cardinal fire, which makes it the fastest moving sign, this is where that cardinal fire is actually going to find form. And this is actually where it's going to house itself in. And so this is the five sense reality that we're perceiving. And one of the things that we always kind of talk about is, is that idea of even objects in our environment, whatever it is that's standing next to you, whether it has significance to you or not, it's actually moving energy that's frozen in its container, but it's still moving energy, but it's slower moving energy so we can actually perceive it. Okay. Now, the energy inside the objects around us is actually moving at an, an amazing rate, right? But there's actually more empty space in the objects around us than occupied space, right? And we always kind of bring up this, this understanding of like the best way to get this understanding is by looking at a fan, like a ceiling fan that's not moving. And when it's not moving, it's very easy to stick our hand in between those spaces and see that there's actually more unoccupied space to the fan than occupied space. But once that fan starts moving and it starts moving at an accelerated rate, not only do we perceive it as one blade that's moving, but we also feel it. If we try to put our hand through the fan, it actually is going to have a kickback. And that's the same thing that's actually happening into the physical environment within form. That's why we can't put our hands through something because these objects are actually moving at a very accelerated rate. But Comparatively to Aries and consciousness, this is actually moving at a very slow rate. This is why it's kind of frozen. And this is why we have the sign of fixed earth. And, and this is what gives us detail in our life. This is what gives us the arena to kind of go on this journey of the evolution of our soul and really kind of do this construct of experience and really learn what form is. And that's what this story is really going to allude to. But just the idea that there's a labor is the one of the longest and told in the most detail, there's a hitting deeper esoteric significance to that. You know, and we have to look at that in all ancient text. It's not just what they say, it's also what they don't say, that you actually kind of have to pick up this information. And that's what makes this a lifelong subject. And that's why you can actually go back to these, these stories, these biblical stories, any ancient mythology. And every time you go back, you gain a, a bigger nugget of truth and you gain a more of alignment to what the, tr the true essence of that story is actually kind of creating for us. And so, you know, I'm really excited to kind of go through this, this story of form and how important it is and how important it is to really understand what's truly being signified here, um, but also the danger of form. Right. Because we know, you know, there's with this experience comes truly a lot of responsibility. And we're going to kind of talk about what that, what that kind of um, 
how that can kind of manifest in our lives and different ways that we can kind of see it. And a lot of it is going to be aspects that we can correlate to like exoteric tourism. Right. And we'll talk about that, you know, that aspect of, um, you know, maybe attachment, whether that's to attachment to a habit, attachment to things, you know, form does have this ability to kind of pull us down. But the interesting thing about form is it either binds us or it actually gives us the key to our illumination when we can actually see truly what form is trying to tell us rather than more of that Maya illusion that can kind of really kind of permeate through, through most people's understanding and relationship with form. Great, man. Well said. I cannot, I cannot wait to sort of describe this story so we can, you know, break down those attributes. Cause you know, it is story is just so great because, you know, uh, it does have, not just the earthly forms that are brought up in, in the labor, but also, you know, what we're going to um, see within this um, labor of a rising consciousness and how quick it's, there's a rising consciousness in this whole uh, execution that, you know, Hercules goes through. So do you want me to start with the labor in a nutshell? And then we'll just break down the attributes that come from, you know, the uh, success, uh, I should say, of like coming to this place where Hercules finds himself, you know, kind of moving um, through the labor successfully? Oh, most definitely. I think that's cool. a perfect way to start. So if you want to kind of give us a little bit of a breakdown and we'll kind of use that as our diving board jump off. Awesome, man. Uh, well, again, so for you guys who don't know, we're reading off of Alice Bailey's uh, The Labor of Hercules, but in, in essence, in a nutshell, you know, I'll just give you like the quick rundown to kind of, you know, catch you up to speed. And then I'm just going to ask you some questions and I'm sure you already have some things to say about it. But, you know, so the king of Crete, which is Minos, um, you know, has this sacred bull and he's um, he keeps it on the island. And so when Hercules is told to retrieve the bull and bring it to the island uh, or to the, from the island to the mainland, uh, I think right away, you know, you hear there are no instructions given, right? So it's just like how this was going to get done, how it would be uh, a success for Hercules to to accomplish is really kind of not uh, explained so well. And, but he did know that obviously this bull had very heavy importance. And so um, it says that the bull is born of the seed. I think it's very important to mention that and, and that it was... Um, it was to be offered as a sacrifice to Minos. And so when, when Hercules travels, you know, he searches and <clears throat> pursues the bull until he, he, what he corners it, right? Um, corners it in its, I don't know if it's like in its lair, but um, he rides the bull and he's told to ride the bull like a horse. And he comes from the island all the way to the mainland as the waters, you know, part for him. And he brings it back to the city of is it cyclops and then well, you have, that's the city of the cyclops yes yeah. yes yeah and the um these they he's met by these beans these three beans that are personified as you know uh i think thunder and lightning and whirling activity so you have these three energies that are receiving the bull um you know at the gate of the city which is the cyclops city and he's met by the three Cyclops, and then um, they take the bull or receive the bull, take charge of it, I should say, and the labor pretty much ends there. So that's like a summary. I apologize for the pauses and the 
you know, skipping around, but I have my notes put up here and I have the story on the side over here. Um, but yeah, there's so much I want to ask you about that, you know, from, and again, they have it so quickly put together, you know, uh, but it's so not that summarized, you know, when you actually read the whole story and the labor, a lot of, uh, again, these, these attributes to Taurus present themselves. And so take it away, man, wherever you want to start from there, from the top, um, I'm all ears. Yeah, no, I love that. And that was a great little breakdown. And again, we really do suggest each and every one of you to pick up a copy of this 12 labors of Hercules by Alice Bailey, because just as a, just as an esoteric um, book for your collection and your library really is kind of a must have. It's one of those things that you find information, right? We find information in there. And the nice thing is, is she does give us um, a translated copy of the 12 labors of Hercules. And so what Eddie was just alluding to was actually kind of what was in that ancient text. And I think the, the most important thing to kind of bring up, and I'm glad that you brought this up in your little breakdown was the idea that there was no instructions given. Um, well, there was no instructions given to us either as we came into form and as we started to deal with this aspect of, you know, falling into our body and falling into this material world. You know, we had a connection to that universal life force that's in Aries, but it doesn't come with a, you know, a manual that's easy for us to understand. We have to kind of go through the experiences, learn them ourselves, before we actually uncover that there is actually no external manual, but it's more of an internal unfoldment that's going to give us this understanding and this kind of connection that's going to come from this from this story. And so I think right off the bat, that idea that, you know, we don't come here with a certain set of instructions. And what's also unique of not only are these internal instructions that only really truly can kind of be found in the self, now it can be helped through studying astrology and alchemy to kind of find your own key and open up what your own internal realizations need to be. But but that aspect of not only is this an internal thing, but we always look for the instructions in the external world. You know, we look for a savior, we look for a guru, when really this information is actually always with us and it actually never leaves us. And it's only when we can kind of turn on that inner light and actually adapt to this idea of the Cyclops, which we will get to, that we can actually see the lighted way that's always been with us. And it's almost like that high priestess, you know, it's almost like that high priestess card. I think there's a lot of connections here of how the instructions, we always kind of look for them, but they're, they're fixed inside us. And it's only when we go there with patience and understanding that we can actually really kind of uncover this. And, you know, we, we have some interesting experiences as well, because, you know, this being the second labor of Hercules, you know, he is also, and if we remember that towards that tail end of the first labor, he's still dealing and mourning the death of his friend. Yes. And so, you know, and this is, this is a process that we're going to learn very quickly in the second sign. You know, the second sign with Taurus, it's all about form. But one of the big things that we have to understand with form is all form that we're looking at right now will eventually turn to dust. You know, nothing in this physical reality is going to last the eternity of time. And so there's a finiteness to this. And so he's even going to be dealing with this. And this is going to be something that's actually still in his consciousness that's carried over from that first sign. And we all have to carry this over. It's one of the lessons that we learn with Taurus is that 
you know, not only are we in this incarnation and we don't come with much instructions, well, there's also an expiration date to this experience. And so there's this kind of this unique desire and interest to kind of learn as much as we can in the time that we are given. And so Taurus, the idea that even though he didn't have any instructions, he still did not waste any time on his journey. And he really right. kind of went off to encounter that. And that's something we really have to learn because form has this unique ability of, of, of creating comfort. And when we're in a comfortable position, well, we might not be as eager to maybe strive for our own spiritual development or look deeper into life because we're kind of coddled by the existence, you know, and that's, that's a big thing. And this is also why a big telling of spirituality um, is when the form that you were so comfortable with and created so much security for you starts to dissolve. You know, and that's our attachment to relationships or our attachment to, you know, even even society. You know, this is something why it's not a coincidence that so many people have gotten connected to spirituality in the last two to three years. It's because the thing that used to give them security, well, we kind of saw that that was that was kind of like a bed of flowers over rotting garbage, you know, and we actually kind of started to smell it what it really was. And so, even the the things that used to make people secure in these last couple of years have kind of, you know, really, really kind of cataclysm in this change of kind of finding this more of a spiritual security and more of this within ourselves. And that's going to be this big, unique component that's going to kind of come from this. But all of this is rooted in the idea that, you know, not only is this form, you know, kind of illusionary um, and very attracting to us, it's also, it's also the key to our own escape. And it's actually through the form and understanding what really precedes the form that we're actually able to actually cherish this, understand it, learn from it, and then, you know, ultimately kind of grow. And so, you know, we, we have some interesting ideas right off the bat and this, this idea that, you know, we live in this finite existence and what we do in this existence is going to kind of bear a lot of importance. And I think that's really important that he, you know, he doesn't really take any time. He just kind of goes into that journey. Um, but it's still this this process that we all have to do. We, we only almost have to learn the instructions through the experience. And that's something that this this labor, I think, really addresses of just how important this experience is for the unfoldment of the soul. Oh, that's awesome, man. We can just call it a night right there. I'm just going to put it <laughs> <up> here. <laughs> no, I mean that, man. I'm not saying that just to you know, um, just to only agree with you, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to allude too much to the sign of Taurus, but you know, one of the things that I love hearing about is that over, uh, glorification of matter, but subsequently you have, as she describes the illumination period. And so with, with this labor, you know, he just goes right through it. He gets right to it, but he still needs to follow a form of light in order to, you know, make his way back and, or find the bull and, and track the bull down. And so there's this inner light that's going to be found through the process of kind of just going for it from, and not an instinctual perspective, but the one that is in this form you're talking about when we arrive here, because you're right, as we've sort of, you know, met this new era that we're in, we've had to get let go of the form a little more than usual. And therefore, our liberation kind of starts a little faster for us because, you know, we want to leave here as as a whole light and, and the 
greatness that we are inside of our physical bodies. And we've been given a little bit of that chance, much like in this labor where it's like you made it to form, but rather than staying so caught up in form, a lot of us have decided right away to be like, I don't need this and this is finite. So what is the purpose of chasing this? Although there are the, on the opposite of that, there are people who are like, that's the comfort zone they're going to stay in until the last day of their lives, uh, not really wanting to pursue that light. But then again, how would you bring that bull back? I don't know. So um, I think it's interesting that they mentioned that in the, in the, in the labor on how he goes and, and attains the bull by this light. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Should we explain what I'm saying about, you know, going from physical form to illumination? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this does. I don't know if I'm going too fast. No, no, I think this is perfect. I mean, and again, we are really planning on breaking this, this labor and this sign down as long as, as long as need be, because it covers so much. Um, but, but that's exactly what we're looking at here. And one of the big things that we're, we're learning from this story and one of the, the, the essences that we really want everybody to take from this sign is the understanding that beauty is not the effect of form. Beauty is the cause of form. There is all beauty in all aspects of form. And it's only when we actually can see that beauty that we actually see the signature of the creator. And so mm. there's this understanding with Taurus of like, oh, they just like, you know, pretty things. They like things that taste good. They like, you know, the finer things in life. But what the Taurus needs to understand is that beauty is not the effect of form. It's the causality of form. Beauty precedes form. And we can find beauty in all aspects and all aspects of form. Even the experiences that we go through that are troubling. Well, this, the Taurus needs to find the gold. He needs to find the beauty. You know, we think about that story of Jesus when he's walking with the disciples. And I know we bring up this story quite often, but it's perfect for what we're talking about here. But he's walking with disciples and he, um, he comes across, um, a, a dog that has passed away and the dog is rotting and the disciples are actually trying to shield him for it. You know, like Jesus, you're going to get sick or don't go over there. It's kind of disgusting. And Jesus walks right up to the dog. He looks at the teeth and he makes a comment of like how beautiful and white the teeth are. And this is what we need to kind of find out. And this is what there's a really, again, a deep esoteric significance to this, to understand, to see that beauty precedes form. It's not the cause of form. And that's going to be a big move for this esoteric understanding to be. And it's when we actually see that it's not the beautiful things that we occur in our life. It's not the, it's not the fancy cars. It's not the, you know, it's not the status relationships, which is actually the effect of our, our materialism. The beauty actually comes to precede the materialism. And we really have to see that beauty is the preceding factor. And when we can see that, we can even look at our own form and understand that it was created, it was attracted through this law of beauty and harmonization that that Taurus is signifies. And that's the only way that form can actually take place. Things need to harmonize together. And that's part of this process. And so this inner light that we're talking about, it's not just our own inner light, but we need to see this inner light in all objects. You know, this is the creator, when we made this fall into matter, which is what we're talking about here, when we when we made this fall into matter and we fell, well, when we were 
before that happened, we were in one with creation. We were eye to eye with creation. And we talk about this. There was this, there was this darkness and we were looking straight in the eyes of the creator and we were looking in the eyes of the universe and we were looking into our own eyes. But there was this, there was this pull. There was this, this darkness that was kind of, you know, it was, it was pulling for our attention and we looked down and we looked down and that began our fall into matter. And that started the cycle of our soul. And this is something we, we go into depth with in the cycle of necessity, but we fell back down into matter. And in that process, even though we never wanted to forget that oneness, we were going to forget that oneness. But the thing is, is the oneness never forgot us. And it never left us. It's always been with us. And it always tries to remind us. It's always trying to get our name. This is why the creator left its signature in all physical things. This is why we can see the law of signatures, which is this universal code that we find in objects. And it's its signature to let us know that it never forgot about us. And it's not going to forget about us. We just can't forget. And we forgot about us. And that's the problem. And so this inner light that we're talking about is just this remembering that that beauty is within us. You know, it's not into those, those things that we fantasize about. It's not in those, you know, the Instagram influencers that have all this money. It's, it's within me. It's within you. And it's that uncovering, you know, and that internal realization. Because once we see that light, and we start generating from it, well, it actually shines out. And we actually start to kind of share that divine light and that divine beauty. Um, and it emanates not only our experiences, but our things, our character, and obviously our heart. Absolutely. I mean, I think we talked about this a long time ago with other spiritual books that are out there that kind of miss the point of this uh in essence, you're talking about this like better understanding of the law of attraction, but using it for using it for and through um, that light you're talking about. So more of it could be emanated and more of us can see that light that shines through not to gain the materialistic possessions or the desire components of those things, but actually understanding that those things come after um, what is manifested through that understanding of that true attraction, which then is so contagious, which is great because then everyone can sort of experience that same illumination uh, from its purest form and not from its need to have that physical form in everyone's possession. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I love that you brought up the law of attraction because you're right. Taurus is all about attraction, right? We, we are attracted from physical things. The physical reac like reality attracts us to it. We're kind of pulled down into form, but this is a beautiful aspect because this this law of attraction is how we actually manifested these souls that were these bodies that our souls are looking through or listening through at this exact moment. It was through that law of attraction. We actually, you know, as we went through the experiences and what we kind of talked about with the cycle of necessity episode, as you're in one form and you have pulled in the amount of experiences and lessons that you need to, you start to vibrate away from that form, which is a death. You have this aspect, and then you go through this process of reincorporating that information, and then you have a rebirth in a higher form for higher lessons and higher understanding. And so this law of attraction is something that just naturally happens within us. But the problem is, is with a lot of how this Taurus is going to kind of get played out, is this law of attraction is used for physical means, 
right? And this is not the that inner light. This is more attracting the synthetic light into our life. And this is when we manifest things like, you know, power over people. You know, this is when we manifest material things. Um, this is when we can maybe, you know, manifest not a relationship of love, but again, like a relationship of status. All of these things that we we know kind of are damaging um, to the soul, but satisfying to the lower personality. These are going to be kind of the the false usings of this Taurus. And what we're going to kind of see with Hercules and why he's able to find that inner light is because what true law of attraction is and true manifestation, you know, this ability to attract and harmonize is really about attracting, you know, self-development and self-unfoldment. That's truly, and I know we speak about this often on the podcast and it's, it's one of those things that I hate to repeat myself, but I think we repeat ourselves because it's so important. Self-development is the only thing that we should try to manifest, you know, because it's the fountain that feeds all fountains. If we can attract a spiritual understanding where the spiritual fountain feeds into the mental fountain, which feeds into the physical fountain, and everything will kind of get its satisfaction, and everything will get those living waters of life to have that full experience that we need. And so we kind of see this with this, with this inner light shining forth. And more of that higher self is starting this ability of attraction and manifestation um, and starting to kind of pull things into its life for the for its development. Um, and this is going to be something that kind of comes up with a lot of these different things, because f- when we think about form and we think about the five senses and we think about sensation, well, there's a lot to cover with that conversation. You know, there's a lot of things that can be so beautiful through sensation, but there's also a lot of things that can be abused through sensation. And this is really one of these, you know, original polarities that we're kind of met with and we're kind of faced with. And, and there's so many polarities that are presented in Taurus to really make us understand just how, just how important this, this arena of experience is for us to kind of make this internal unfoldment really blossom but man there aren't there there's some pitfalls on the way and there's a lot of things that are you know the aspect of like waving the keys in front of the baby's face and it's like almost these these simple distractions that can really put us off our place from seeing that creator signature and things and more just seeing the signature of like the i wants you know and that's mm-hmm. going to be this this big big thing that we're going to be looking at as we kind of continue through this this aspect of kind of what we're starting to dance with with this Taurus energy but it really is it's the this is all about the housing units of physical experience um and so it very much is this unique sign that is calling for our utmost attention but it needs to be a very sober and purified attention to see what's truly truly trying to speak and kind of educate us on this on this um on this journey. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I I appreciate from the story is, you know, although he succeeds in his labor, you know, he is he, he is told to, you know, really take count for how this happened and what was actually, you know, going on during the the process of him, you know, being able to bring the bull back. Um, but you know, it's funny we're, we're talking about this bull and the labor, but you know, and I can't wait to sort of open up why we're talking about Taurus. But before we even go further with that, you know, I think people hear the word Taurus and then we're saying Taurus and we're saying, 
the bull to the labor. But we should sort of do a breakdown, in my opinion, of this difference between exoteric astrology and esoteric astrology because it's not like we're just talking about Taurus the sign that most of us are familiar with and yes it's one of the four animals you know in the constellation but you know as Daniel's saying it's the second and and no coincidence obviously it's the second labor but uh do you want to kind of go into that a little bit with the differences there yeah and you know what I'm I'm glad that you brought this up because this is something that we kind of just like danced over in the beginning. Um, but this is crucial. This understanding between exoteric astrology and esoteric astrology, because even people in the spiritual community have, I think, a false understanding of astrology a lot. You can talk to people who are all about numerology, who are very connected to crystals, um, you know, even any kind of component. But astrology, they're just like, oh, I don't know. It kind of sounds very like surface level. And what we're going to kind of get with esoteric astrology is the same thing we got with esoteric spirituality and esoteric religion. Like, yeah, you read exoteric Christianity, it kind of seems kind of superficial um, and very surface right. level, you know, and that's the same with all exoteric religions, you know, even stuff like with exoteric Buddhism and the stuff that gets like sold in those books at like Target of like, you know, or like a grocery store like that. That's just like this, not even the depthness of truly what this religion is. And they've just kind of simplified it. Um, we see this in all spiritual practices. And so it's the same thing with astrology. Exoteric astrology is going to be how people were kind of presented this. This is the idea of horoscopes. Um, if you see an horoscope that's just based on your sun sign, um, it's going to be really good. Um, and I would say it's really good for like cleaning up, like maybe if your cat makes a mess or maybe you spill like a drink on the floor, like it does a really good job of like soaking up liquid. But other than that, it, it's trash because there's no way that this thing that's written in the newspaper or in Cosmo is going to have any say on yourself. And a lot of times in these big media organizations, they just make up these horoscopes. And so it's unfortunately just like religion, we all kind of get this tough taste in our mouth because as a child, maybe we were in Sunday school, you know, and right. it, when we went through this experience of like, well, that doesn't make sense. And the teacher was just like, well, just shut up or you're going to go to hell. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense either, you know? And so exoteric religion is going, exo, exoteric astrology is going to be this very superficial stuff. And it's going to really just talk about like the obvious traits. But the thing is, in all of these signs, this is your 12 steps to life. This is your own 12 step program. And there's a deep spiritual essence to all of these. You know, you read same thing with Aries. I think we had a lot of great responses of people being like, I like how you attributed Aries to the birth of consciousness and the explosion of consciousness. We're like, well, that, that wasn't us. That's just esoteric astrology because it's actually right. looking at this process of unfoldment. And that's the same thing with this Taurus. A lot of people are like, oh, like I'm a Taurus, but I'm really not that much like materialistic. And like, I'm not like everything that it says. I might not be this and that. It's because it's so true because it's because we all have depthness to us. We all we've all explored that well because we're doing well. And so we can kind of see the depthness um, in these signs. And so, you know, this esoteric astrology is going to be more, not only connected to the inner essences of the individual, but it's also going to be tied to bigger cycles like astrotheology, 
which is the study of the signs through the procession of the equinoxes. And that's when we kind of study ages, just like when we kind of speak about how we're in this process of the transition from the age of Pisces to the age of Taurus. Um, that's going to be more of a connection with esoteric astrology. It's the bigger bigger picture and the more hidden picture of it. But one of the big things that we're looking for with esoteric is, is really the development of the soul and the unfolding of the soul and really seeing that all 12 of these energies are alive and well within us. And it's us kind of coming, meeting them, loving them and incorporating them as part of this journey. And so in esoteric astrology, you don't just study the sun sign. Um, actually, I would say the your rising or your ascendant and even your moon are going to play a bigger placement there. You know, there's there's certain kind of misconceptions that we've had because astrology was kind of oversimplified. Um, and, you know, even, even to this day, um, we kind of see this with um, meme culture, you know? Um, it's It's so funny how, like, people can make a post and it's just like the six most signs that you can't trust and they'll name the signs like in a six person row. And you're like, what, what, like, how, how is that even a thing? This is just propaganda. And it's got likes by so many people. And it's just like, well, we, we kind of have to hold the horses here because like maybe one of those signs might be kind of, could be, have some like um, mischievous to them. But what if the person has their, you know, they're rising and their moon and Capricorn, you know, that's going to change all of that because they're going to be very loyal and very traditional, you know, and so it's not the whole picture. And so, you know, we we really do kind of have this interesting energy. And I, and I really even think, you know, that there's a lot of people who study the occult and the esoteric who are actually kind of like step away from astrology. And it's not until they actually start looking at these essences that they really start seeing the significance. But, you know, the same can be said with the Tarot, with the esoteric and the exoteric. You know, there's there's definitely an exoteric version of the Tarot. And that's like, oh, there's going to be a mysterious person who comes into your life and they're going to steal your puppy. And you're like, you can't tell that from the cards, just like straight up like that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not what the cards are for, if that makes sense. I mean, for me, it makes sense. So I hope for you, the listeners, it makes sense. But, you know, that's something that um, of a lot of the meaning behind whatever laws we've created, man or laws of man or moral guidance is the same as to question um, or to talk about the energies that influence us. And so I always think it's interesting that people have a connection to these energies because, you know, we've given them different names like moods, right? So it's just like, oh, this is the mood I'm in. This is like what's shifted for me today. Therefore, my energy is over here. I'm not sure if I trust that person over there. I get along with this person really well. I'm best at this time of the day or, and I think it's interesting that we sort of have taken such a complex uh, platform that's just so hard to just pinpoint as to where you stand and where where you are and how you feel without there being like uh, a pinpoint to every one of those um, connections to this sort of major geometrical shape that influences our energy that, you know, is part of our world as we're li living and breathing. And, you know, and we talk about that we have this admiration for so many different complex uh, aspects to earth and and to the cosmos but yet we kind of stop there it's like oh is it threaded back to me is there a connection back to me it's like maybe they say that i don't know i think it's a little bit woo but i think it's interesting that though we still celebrate you know uh the most 
the most bizarre, um, kind of what you're talking about, the baby uh, having the keys jingle in their face. But they take our moods and our energies and they tell us where to place them into to things that aren't really not only not aiding us, but not aiding us to find ourselves and to evolve um, in consciousness. And so these these aspects of sort of, you know, talking about exoteric and esoteric astrology in this case, you know, just keeping an open mind to, hey, the influence must come from somewhere and that somewhere can be the society that we're in right now, obviously by, you know, the form that it's taken, but there's something more going on that I think everybody agrees on because as soon as you're sitting down to make this more of a simple example, if you put a certain amount of people around a campfire and one person on the campfire basically uh, decides, you know what, I, I'm going to bed and I'm just going to shut this light off right now. I'm just going to throw, you know, water onto the fire. You know, there's four individuals who are like, hey, like I wasn't ready to go that direction. And then before you know it, there's a conversation of how erratic that behavior was from the one individual who kind of just like did this random thing. And so everyone eventually will talk about it for weeks. They'll be like, what was that about? And I just think it's interesting that we have those conversations in regards to uh, a person, a personality trait or a person's uh, way of doing things differently than you do. But we stop there and we don't investigate like, well, what's going on in that person's life? You know, they're must- like in that individual aspect, we like can see a problem. But if something's like an institution or a group think all of a sudden, like we forget that our fire is always getting kind of placed on. And and again, this is this is this interesting thing about form um, and with Taurus, because, you know, we find this one of the big things we're going to kind of come through with this conversation of Taurus is Taurus is all about security. And what do we actually have our security in? You know, that's a that's this really big mm-hmm. lesson that's going to kind of come from this. And we kind of started this with this conversation of like, well, we need to find security in something higher because we can't find security in the body because that's not forever. You know, we can't find security in the things that we have because those aren't forever. We have to find security in a connection to our soul because that's the only thing that's eternal. And that's the only, and that's only our connection to the internal, you know? So it's this, it's this aspect of that we're going to really kind of learn through this process. And this is, this is one of the big things that's going to kind of even kind of be alluded even further in the story of the Cyclops, you know, very interesting connection and thinking about you know, how stuff kind of gets obfuscated. Isn't it kind of funny how the Cyclops later on in religious history was more seen as a villain? Um, And even when you think about when you see um, fantasy films, a lot of times the Cyclops is not presented in this, this receiving labor of this, this holy, um, the the holy cow and the golden calf. Um, Because the Cyclops has actually a very unique spiritual experience to it because it has one eye in the middle of the forehead, which is all about spiritual illumination, you know, and that idea. I like that. You Does that make that sense? Because this is something that. No, no. Yeah. But I've like the, the villain. Oh dude, we'll talk about that for a while too. It's just like, I was like, Oh, I, I can't wait to sort of break that in and how it's been personified as, as the bad guy. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it, and it's truly is this, because what that one eye gives us is an objective viewpoint. Because two eyes is great for this five sense reality, but you have two eyes. It's a duality, you know, and these two eyes can even play tricks on you. Like, you know, these two eyes, like, isn't it funny? 
that your nose is always in your eyesight, but it's not until you close your eye with one of them that you can actually see your nose. Your two eyes actually play tricks on you. Um, they're part of this almost this illusion that comes with this polarity world that we live in. So we have these two eyes. And so what this aspect is, is closing these subjective eyes, which is in this polar experience that we find ourselves and finding the objective eye. And this is actually the esoteric significance of a wink, you know? And so I, I was talking, I talked a little trash about surface level astrology, but you know what? I saw this on a meme. So like, I'm not hating on memes. I'm just hating on, you know, surface level trash memes. But, you know, it spoke about how this is why Odin in Norse mythology has one eye. And this is actually what the significance of the wink is. It's letting you know that you know the objective truth. And that's what this this Cyclops is going to represent is the idea of having that objective universal higher self vision. It's really that that understanding of the overself um, and that that unique kind of connection. And why we have three Cyclops on this island is for the three levels of spirituality, mental, and body. You know, the three levels of that experience and even the aspect of the trivium. And so this is this third eye is so important to have an objective focused sense because not only with form do we have sensation, but with form, we also meet desire. And desire is going to be something that we could talk about for 400 episodes and only cover the surface. We have a very misunderstanding of the power of desire in our culture, in our societies. And the reason why we have such a misunderstanding of desire is because desire and security, which comes from desire, is one of the biggest tools that's used for our manipulation um, and obfuscation of this of the truth. Desire and security are the biggest tools used for our manipulation, as well as the obfuscation of this objective truth. Um, and it's this very, very powerful force. And one thing we have to understand is everything is driven by our desires. And now what we're going to kind of see with this third eye is the aspect of raising those desires up to their highest octave and their highest expression. And in desire is going to come into play as well later on with the sign of Scorpio. And we're going to kind of refocus on this and we'll probably cover this topic um, between then. But desire in that impulse of desire is everything. You know, and that's even your impulsive desire for great things like spiritual development and, you know, um, community understanding. Like these are desires, but it's the pulse that pushes us forward. It's actually what kind of gets that Taurus moving. Um, but desire also can have its negative components. And that's something that is really plays a big role. And I know we're going to kind of talk about this when we, when we kind of continue this into that next episode of, you know, this connection of desire and even this aspects of sex that's going to kind of come up with this sign. Um, and not yeah. so much the, the physical sex that will be Scorpio, but the desire and the opportunity of sex is actually what kind of gets the Taurus moving and utilizing that energy in its proper output and finding this almost this middle path, just like you said, the seas were parted for the bull. It's this unique balance that we're going to kind of find um, that's going to kind of further be alluded with this with this aspects of, you know, these powerful words that are going to kind of come up with this next episode, which would be God, sex, law, 
and sin. Um, mm-hmm. And that will be kind of what the the big focus is and what we kind of do to kind of break that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is everything. This this understanding of desire and even just to just to think about that pulse. Um, think about what pushes our sensations. Just think about how you know sensitive we are to this environment and how much the environment plays a role in our unfoldment. You know, again, one of the things with form is when you're comfortable in form, you don't do a lot of digging. You know, we spoke about that earlier of how like the society kind of fell apart and a lot of people kind of had to find security in other kind of form. But this is how most people find their way into spirituality. It's usually either through that process of calcination, you know, which we spoke about with an alchemy where everything we once knew kind of is burning to ashes and nothing has the same significance anymore. And this kind of plays this, this kind of unique role um, kind of in this unfoldment with where we're kind of going to be taking this, this discussion. But I think as like a reflection, as we're going from this week to the next, and as we kind of make this conversation a continual, we should all kind of meditate on our desires and understand that desire is not a bad thing. Like it's kind of sold. Like we, we're thinking of it in its lowest form, but how are we actually, you know, who controls our desires? Do we control our desires or do our desires control us? Um, and that's the object of either riding this bull safely or, you know, the matador who gets killed by the bull, you know, and this is what the running of the bulls in Spain is kind of indicating is desire let loose, you know, and what happens when desire let loose? Well, it's very damaging. And it's, it's one right. of those things that you don't know when the damaging is going to come. And it's kind of almost this random thing because you can kind of satisfy your desires for so long. But then that one time, it, the bull catches you as you're not quick enough to kind exactly. of catch the fence, you know, and you make a YouTube video. And you're like, there's me getting like beaten up by a bull. But that's what that that's what that festival is really looking at. It's the the letting loose of desires and how damaging and dangerous it can actually be if we don't actually control them for more of this, this through this aspect of love and awareness and taking desire and changing it almost into like inspiration. You know, this is this is what we're working towards. That, you know, you think about that aspect, like, you know. This this idea with desire when when we make when you make excuses based off of desire and lower level desire you know it's it's usually kind of um, it's usually kind of done as like a, a crutch and a band aid and this is why when sometimes people make experiences you say bullshit because this was the, that was an excuse made through this desire lens and this lower desire which actually represents Taurus you know and this is also where we get the term bullseye from which is the cyclops which is that right. third eye you know and the only way that you can actually hit that bullseye is by conquering the sin curve which is sin and that's actually how you hit your mark and that's actually how right. you find your mark and this is going to play kind of this this big role with this this kind of uncovery of this of this um of this, I guess this this story that's kind of unfolding. But the unique thing is, this story is not just unfolding within us. This story is also unfolding outside of us. Um, and this is the blossoming of life. And this is also why the sign of Taurus is acquainted with spring. And everything is kind of taking life. You know, animals are kind of producing babies. You know, flowers are sprouting, and they're actually blooming at this point. It's not just that birthing of consciousness as Aries. But life is actually taking form, and we're in this experience of our life taking form. Um, and it's this truly kind of this unfoldment, blossoming process 
Um, but it depends on what we blossom and what level, what flowers on our chakra system actually do blossom, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, again, uh, we said it with the law of attraction, it's like, what are you attracting and what form through which, uh, you know, higher spirit is working through you in order to manifest, you know, what your desires are and is it done for good or is it done for bad? Is it positive or negative? And so I think that that's an interesting, um, example that you're saying with regards to desire. So, um, yeah, man, I think it's awesome. I think it's crazy how short the story is, but it just goes into these these more specific uh, breakdowns uh, through her explanations here in the book. But also, I can't wait to talk about all the attributes to Taurus that are mentioned here, and and even just what you were just mentioning about with 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 desire. Um, so, yeah, I think what what we'll do what we didn't do last time is we jumped right into Aries after we expressed all the. The correlations or or the astrological significance of the story with Hercules to Aries, but I think in this one, if it's, I mean, something I'm going to be doing is that bringing up the labor over and over again because there's so many little things that are mentioned that, and I think you kind of covered most of it with Cyclops, but there's still more we haven't even finished doing, and so I know that you're going to be traveling. Uh, I'll, but I'll be traveling as well. So I think it's interesting that we're both going to be um, going places um, through through this um, this breakdown. So I'm kind of interested in how long it's taken to talk about the second labor, but also how it's going to unfold over the next few episodes, because I don't think we'll be done with it so quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, this is going to be a unique one because we are going through this this process of form. And so this is just kind of like other things we've talked about, even after, even after the month of Taurus, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, leave this aspect of form. And we're going to kind of talk about this. And really when we kind of break down desire, we're going to really kind of start to, what this is really going to kind of do is open up the subject of esoteric psychology with us, which is something that we're going to very much cover in the the third um, season. season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this esoteric psychology will really give us a better understanding of how how we operate within form and how we actually operate within this vessel. And so I am, I'm excited to continue this conversation. Um, and we're, we'll carry this conversation on and probably this life and the next, because there's so much to kind of talk about here. But it is, um, you know, one of the things I really want us to just take away is I hope that people can at least just kind of start to see the, the, the kind of the comings of this beautiful sign of Taurus and what it actually esoterically contains um, and just how much, you know, wisdom is contained. And, you know, when we can kind of see that, we can actually see just how much insight we can actually partake from this experience and form. Well said, dude. Well said. Well, thanks to, um, to all our patron members and to everything else that uh, is going to be coming before the end of the season, which is interesting because we'll start the third season with continuing on this, um, this breakdown through Alice Bailey, but also I can't wait to talk about clinical psychology and talk about esoteric and exoteric psychological approaches to many of the greats that we've mentioned even before and those who we haven't even mentioned yet. So uh, that'll be, that'll be a blast, man. So um well again i want to leave a lot for 
I know it's going to be kind of a cliffhanger here, but I want to leave a lot for the second episode that we do uh, on this or the continuation of this. Anything else you'd like to add for now? Oh, no. And I mean, again, thank you to all the patrons. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for everybody, again, who leaves reviews um, or gives us a rating on Spotify or Apple. It really does a great, um, it really helps the kind of the show get to more people and it kind of helps the audiences change. And at the end of the day, what we're really trying to create here is not just um, a podcast that Eduardo and I have conversations on, but ultimately what it is is to create a community that not only buys the state of Maine, but also learns how to talk and communicate with dolphins. And so we are just so honored to be on this journey with each and every one of you. Um, But community is truly what we're trying to build here. And we are working actively um, right now to create some sort of form because what we really need to do is all of these beautiful messages and these insights that you guys share with us and these ideas that you have, well, we feel selfish that they are only seen by our eyes. And again, some people bring up information that is brought up on this show, but there's just there's just too much information coming in and we need to kind of find um, a proper outlet for you guys to kind of carry on these conversations of all the esoteric subjects that we talked about here in the past, um, in the future, um, and you know, kind of uncover and really kind of look. And so- that's something we're really excited about building. And so again, a big thank you to the patron members because it's you who are creating this foundation and allowing for us to actually have the energy to be able to put into this, um, to this experience. And again, thank you guys for being so patient with us um, and allowing this to kind of organically happen and allowing us to not put the cart in front of the horse on a lot of these things. But we are working with some individuals um, to kind of make this happen and to make this this more of a communicational communal experience um, that we all can kind of share our ideas. Um, and you can just see just how many like-minded individuals there are, just like each and every one of you who are excited to have these conversations um, and excited to get to know you because you are just the best. And we are just so happy that you're here with us. I'm so happy that I'm here with you, Eduardo. And um, I'm even happy that I showed up. So my man, like, go, man, this is just the best. I'm again, it's just such an honor to be on this journey with each and every one of you. Yes. Well said, man. Well said. Well, until next time, my friend. Well, until next time. <laughs>